0: Snap Production. I had all of these beautiful people in my life. They've always been there and I was never grateful to them. I never thanked them for being there in my life. I never, yeah, I, I probably took them a bit for granted. I wish it didn't take a fire for me to wake up to realise how special they were. But I'm, I'm grateful that I, that I realise that now as well.
1: So I'm going to dig deep to give you a new window into the souls of the people we're curious to get to know and understand. There might be tears as well as laughter as we celebrate the real life flaws and vulnerabilities that make us human. The word inspiring gets thrown around a lot. However, Terea Pitt is a woman who defines that word. She's a best-selling author, motivational speaker engineer and iron woman. And you know what? She's also a podcaster and it's called Taria Pitt is Hard Work.
0: I'm Terea Pitt. I'm on a quest to understand what happens when we're faced with the unimaginable? What do we learn from doing hard things? And do challenges actually make our lives
1: better? Just over 10 years ago, Taria was racing in an ultra marathon when she was caught in a fire and received burns to 65% of her body. Surviving against the odds, she rebuilt her life and is now a mum to two boys. There's always a lot I want to talk to Taria about when we get together, and boy, do we cover a lot. Also, a heads up, we do talk about some heavy stuff, so please reach out if you need some help. For me to see your beautiful face, to be able to talk with you, it is always such a treat for me because I learn something from you each time. Oh, gosh, do you? Yes. Do you? Ah, okay. Well, thank you. I am quite,
0: I've been told I'm quite wise.
1: How did you get wise? I mean, you're wiser than Yoda.
0: <sighs> Big compliment, <laughs> but I will accept that compliment graciously. I think it's obvious, right? I think because I've been through a really traumatic experience some people might not grow from it, but I was lucky that I had all of the right things in place, right? I had really beautiful partner who I'm still with today, had great family and friends. I had awesome doctors and nurses and physios. I had a really solid upbringing. Um, so I had all of these things that were working for me. And so I guess I, I don't call myself someone who's super positive or super optimistic. I I, I think I'm a realist, but I know that if I put in the work or if I do the time or I dedicate myself to my recovery, then theoretically or hopefully I should see results from that.
1: So I don't know if that's wise as such, maybe pragmatic. Yes. Because I've seen you speak publicly And you made me laugh. And I've seen you speak publicly. (laughs) I loved it.
0: I loved it. You were a riot of colour in this fabulous dress. (laughs) The audience was in your palm the whole time and I was like, fuck, how do I do
1: that? Oh, excuse me. I spoke after (laughs) you and I'm going, oh, my goodness, this is going to be quite an act to follow.
0: All of us here in this room, we're all so much stronger and so much more powerful than we give ourselves credit for. And all we need to do to unmask our full potential is uncover the possibilities that lie up here. Hey, thanks so much, guys.
1: Because your story, it made me laugh, it made me cry, it made me want to stand up and cheer. And that is what is, I think, so extraordinary about you. You are, I reckon, the most inspiring person in Australia, if not the world. Thank you. Yes. Uh, that
0: I, I guess I don't feel very inspiring on a day-to-day basis because I have a bad night's sleep from my kids. Um, I wake up early, my eyes are bleary-eyed, I have a coffee, I'm a little bit grumpy and irritable. I bicker at my partner because he put a load of washing in the night before and he didn't hang it out. Oh, yes. So I've got
1: to, I know you that.
0: Know, it's just that then I've got to rush the kids to school and then I've got a sore neck. I slept on it wrong during... The night, so I don't. I don't wake up every day going. I am a graceful, elegant, wise, inspiring human being, and every person I have an interaction with today will walk away feeling inspired and feeling powerful. I feel quite normal. Like I, I sometimes forget that I'm who I am, just because life's You know, kids, work, partner, the domestic
1: drudgery. And that gets in the way, doesn't it? I think for all of us, it's kind of that routine, the daily grind of things. Yeah. And sometimes we sort of need those moments to step away and go, oh my goodness, yes, this is what I can also do and this is what I've also done.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think, like, I'm, I'm happy that the things that I bitch about these days are my husband leaving the clothes in the washing machine because years ago it wasn't like that, right? The things that we were grappling with was that I had this catastrophic injury that I wasn't sure if I'd be able to run again, that we weren't sure if we'd be able to have kids again. So I guess to feel normal and to have that ability for that sort of stuff to be the biggest the biggest problem in my day, I'm quite stoked about that. And I think being a mum for me, it's look, it's a thankless job. It's it's very thank it's very thankless. It's relentless, but it's also been good because I've got these other people in my life that I want to help, to educate and to nurture and to watch them grow up and to be present with them. All of those types of things. And I think you know a lot of parents would would go through that too.
1: And you mentioned they're being present, and I think as parents, my daughters and our teenagers, it's something that we often grapple with because there's, you know, busy life, things are happening around us Mm. and you do almost have to take that step back and that time out to go, I need to be in the moment with you. Mm. And I recently really enjoyed listening to you talk about your time on Celebrity Apprentice where you revealed that mother guilt that you felt because you weren't present. and. And I feel that too at times. And it's why I made a deliberate choice to step back from my full-time TV career and do other things that I could work around family. But at the same time, I reckon as women, we give ourselves too hard a time over that. I don't reckon blokes do it as much as we do.
0: God, of course they don't. Of course they don't. Like, even doing this podcast or working today, I feel like I should, I, I, I should be with my kids. And I think that's something that comes from society. It's if you're classified a good mother, that means you're at home with your children all day. And so if you're not at home with your children all day, you do feel like a bad mother or you feel like you're not doing a good enough job. And that whole concept is such bullshit because these days pretty much everyone has to work. And with the cost of living and living pressures, most parents have to work. So it's kind of a bit ridiculous, right, that we feel guilty about doing something that we inevitably
1: have to do. And I remember as well, someone said to me, and it was a really good piece of advice, guilt means you've done something wrong. And we, in fact, have done nothing wrong we're just sort of living our lives and getting on with things. But but it's still, I think, hard to dislodge that sense of, oh, no, I need to be in the moment. And, mm. you know, you, you're talking about those terms of being, you know, a good mum or bad mum. I know for me, when I went through my postnatal depression, mm. I felt like a bad mum. I felt like a failure. And we really need to talk more about these sorts of things. So, we're more than just these terms. We're, we're flawed and there's nothing wrong with that. None of us are perfect, are we?
0: No, but I think that's why I love your crap housewife stuff, right? Because you sort of just put it, <laughs> you put it all out there for the world to see, Jess. <laughs> you know, if I'm at the park and I might be chatting to a mum and I might say something about, you know, how I'm tired or whatever and she'll she'll say, oh, well, no, I love, I love spending time with my kids. And then you feel bad because you've opened yourself up. And then you feel like you're being judged or you feel like there's something wrong with you because you're tired, because you've been running around after two kids all day. So I think people like you, Jess, definitely change that in society by putting your crappy housewife (laughs) nature out there. And I try to do that as well. I try to be really open and honest and I hate this word, but authentic because there's I think the concept of having it all as in like having a beautiful home and children with their hair brushed and having a romantic, thriving relationship with your partner, I know that's not that's not what my
1: life looks like. And, and it's not mine either. I think the thing is it's most people's lives are not like that but somehow exactly, there's that pressure that people put on themselves. You know, Petey and I, we've been married now for 17 years and there are times when we've got to put more work in, or we're more snappy with each other, and we're just not in the groove. Yeah. I mean, is there something for you and and Michael that it's sort of that keeps the spark alive, or are there moments of like, oh, no, this, I just want to go no, to sleep? No, no. It's definitely, <laughs>
0: uh... <laughs> and I think what I do is I try, like, if I'm having a nice night with my husband and we're talking or having a glass of wine, then I just try and enjoy that. And then on the nights where we are a bit snappy or maybe bickering, I just kind of say, well, you know, this isn't the night where we're going to stay up late drinking a glass of wine, talking about our future. This is the night where everyone's going to go to bed early and then hopefully in, in the morning, things might look a little bit different. So I think not having unrealistic expectations of the people in your life, but also not having unrealistic expectations of yourself as well, not striving for this perfect character.
1: This image, I think, of being this this amazing, you know, in-tune woman who feels sexy and all of this. Because let's face it, there are times when I, I mean, I don't feel sexy. It's it's sort of as a 52-year-old menopausal woman. That's sexy.
0: (laughs) You look good. You look good, though, with that cat jumper. I'm looking at you. You've got this pastel pink jumper with a picture of a cat on it. It's really doing it for me, Jess. It's really doing it for me. Yeah. But then, you know, on a night, you might get dressed up, have makeup on, wear a nice dress. Your husband might say, You look really nice tonight. And you might be like, Ah. Okay. So I think it's that whole thing about, not expecting to feel sexy all the time not expecting to feel super happy and energetic all the time just lowering those expectations and however you feel whether that's excited or happy or motivated or tired and stressed and sad is actually really fine because they're just feelings and feelings dissipate and maybe tomorrow you'll wake up and you'll feel a little bit different
1: yeah it passes but but what about for you when do you feel sexy when do i feel sexy
0: You know what? Okay, so I really love exercise. Probably no surprise, right? So I love exercise. So I feel like when I'm at the gym, (laughs) like when I'm like lifting weights, or when I'm like smashing it at the gym, where I've just smashed a run, I feel really good about myself. I've got all the endorphins running through my body. I look like shit because my I'm all red and sweaty, my hair's a mess, but. I feel really good about myself. And I'll come home and I'll say to my husband, like, touch my ass, like, feel, you know, just to feel the muscle. (laughs) So that's probably, that's probably when I feel sexiest, like when I've done some exercise. And the other side, like, if I haven't, if I haven't done anything, if I haven't moved my body, if I've been working really hard or if I've had the kids a lot, I don't really feel sexy in those times. I feel tired, tired and a bit overwhelmed.
1: Tell me about that that sense of feeling overwhelmed. I, I cannot begin to imagine after you went through that terrible accident, I can't even begin to think how you kept going. How did you push through that? I think it
0: wasn't, you know, we always use this kind of, Aggressive language, right? Like, how did you defeat that? Or how did you push through that? Or how did you just keep going? I didn't think like that. I'd think to myself, just make it through the day. And at the end of the day, I'd try and think about things that I'd done well that day. So I'd say, okay, so today you walked two laps of the hallway. Um, you wore your mask for a couple of extra hours you watched a nice series with Michael. And so I'd look at those little baby steps as wins. And on some days, I couldn't think of anything that had gone well. I didn't do well at my physio. I didn't wear my mask. Um, I wasn't nice to the people in my life. And on those days, I'd try and celebrate the fact that I was still here. So I'd say, well, Taria, mate, out of everything, you're still here. You're still living. Tomorrow's a new day. Hopefully that day will be a little bit better. So rather than expecting myself to be able to run marathons and do all this crazy stuff straight up, I lowered the bar, lowered the bar dramatically. And part of that hurt, like it hurt my ego because I was injured in this hundred kilometer ultra marathon. And now I was celebrating walking two laps of the hallway. Like those two thoughts don't really add up. But I think I realised really early on at the start of my journey that it was it was going to be really long and it was going to be really challenging and I didn't know what my future was going to look like and I didn't know how well I'd recover and I didn't know if I'd go back to work or be active again. I have a family with Michael. I didn't know any of those things. So rather than thinking about all of those what-ifs and all of the uncertainty surrounding that, I decided to just focus on taking my journey one step at a time. So I tried not to get too ahead of myself. So when a thought came up, you know, what if you can't have kids with Michael? I'd say to myself, well, the doctors haven't said that you wouldn't be allowed to have kids. Um, Don't worry about that just now. You can worry about that down the track. Right now, I just want you to do a good job at your physio session. Or right now, I just want you to try and walk an extra lap of the hallway. So I kind of narrowed my focus and tried to focus on just doing my journey one step at a time. Listening to you sounds very logical. It sounds very logical, and
1: that's the thing. Listening to you talk in that way, it blows my mind. Were you as single-minded as that, in that the midst of just that terrible pain and shock, or did you talk to people who helped guide you, or were there times when you literally thought, "I actually, I want to die. I don't want to be here anymore."
0: Yeah, all of those were true, Jess. So I'm an engineer, so by nature I am very logical and I'm very good at following a system or following a a process. So sometimes I was really single-minded and rational and logical and I'd think, cool, worry about that later, Terea, just do a good job in your gym session today. Other times I thought, I can't do this, this is too hard. I don't know why everyone's so happy that I'm still alive, I just want to be dead. I don't want to be here. I don't want my life to look like this. This is shit house. I don't want to be here. Um, so I did have thoughts like that for sure. I think what was really helpful for me is I saw a psychologist who was really awesome for my recovery. It was really good to speak to someone outside of my immediate circle about what had happened to me and what I was going through because it's something that you know no one really understands, right? Like my good Michael was there every day but he didn't really understand. My mum was there but, you know, she probably had less of an understanding and then friends and family, you know, they were there for me but they they weren't trained professionals. Um, so I saw a psychologist and
1: what was the other thing you asked me? What I wanted to talk more about was that sense of not wanting to be around and not... Um, yeah. Because it would have been easy to go down that path of actually, I want to die and I'm going to die. You know, making almost that choice. And when yeah, you make that yeah. choice, unfortunately, that's what can happen.
0: Yeah. So I did want to die in the earlier stages when I was in hospital. And this is going to sound really bizarre Uh, but my dad is also very logical and practical by nature and I said to my dad because I knew he'd understand where I was coming from I said to my dad I want to kill myself like I don't want to be here and my dad who's super logical he said okay well the doctor said in five years time you should be back on your feet so give yourself five years and see how you feel and if if in five years you want to kill yourself, you can do it then, and so I thought okay well that's that's kind of good because I've got this timeline or this
1: deadline to try and work towards and having those sorts of timelines and that logical way of processing what was happening yeah. to me, it sounds like that was what saved you. uh
0: no, I don't think that's what saved me. I think the doctors and nurses. With the, with the but,
1: ex- yes, of course, but at the same time, <laughs> well, I think I think the power I think it of was, your mind and and the strength, your no, inner strength, no,
0: no, because I think that's that's a disservice to the doctors and the nurses. I get told like you know the power of your mind or the strength of your mind was why you didn't die, and I think, well, oh, that's that's not really true. Like I had. Really awesome medical care. My doctors flew in skin from America to save my life. They worked really hard. There was a team of nurses and doctors around me for weeks and weeks on end. And so I survived the fire because of them. I think what I've done since and how I've rebuilt my life, I think, yes, I will take credit for that. But I also think it wasn't just me. You know, I don't think we can achieve things by ourselves, and I got really, really lucky that I had this beautiful man, Michael, my rock, who supported me. He still supports me. He, who supported me? He was in my corner. He was there with me in hospital from seven in the morning till seven at night. He was consistent. He was committed. He was solid. Um, so I had his love. I had, I had hope for our future. That one day we would live a relatively normal life and we would be able to have kids and we'd be able to travel and we'd be able to do all of the things that we said we wanted to do. And it's amazing we're we're kind of living that life right now. Um, and I had really awesome friends and family as well. So I wouldn't have the life I have if I didn't have those
1: people in my life. What do you think almost in a way looking back, because it's what just over 10 years since the fire, yeah, yeah, and I don't want to say it was a good thing because, of course, it wasn't a good thing. But the person that you now are, you wouldn't be that person, would you?
0: No, I feel like I've grown a lot, up a lot, and some of that's probably due to age. Like maybe I would have gotten here before or close to here if I wasn't burnt. I don't know, but I feel like I'm more, probably more compassionate, more empathetic, more caring. Um, I'm a better listener. And it's also made me more stubborn, which is saying something because I was already, already super stubborn, super determined, super driven individual. And I've probably all of those things a little bit more. But I also have this understanding that, you know, if I have one regret about my life before the fire, it was that I had all of these beautiful people in my life. They were, they've they always been there. I had my family. I had Michael Hoskin, my partner. I had his family. I had my friends. had all of these awesome people in my life. And I was never grateful to them. I never thanked them for being there in my life. I never, yeah, I, I probably took them a bit for granted. And again, like very typical of a younger person to do that, but... I I wish it didn't take a fire for me to wake up to realise how special they were. But I'm, I'm grateful that I, that I realise that now as well.
1: And listening to your talk there and listening to your podcasts and your motivational talks that you give to people, you often use the word grateful. And what are we grateful yeah. for? And I think that is so powerful because it's a way of resetting things that happen in our lives and reframing how we can look at really awful, terrible things, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it is. And, you know, I do do think we've got a culture of, Maybe toxic positivity, where everything has to have a silver lining, and you know, look for the look, look for the gold, or you know, try and be upbeat and sparkly. Um, I think it's okay if you've been through something traumatic, whether that's a divorce or getting burnt to sixty-five percent of your body by a bushfire. It is okay to say it's shit. You don't have to find the silver lining straight away, if at all, um, because it is a awful horrible thing that has happened and you are you are allowed to stay in that place and to acknowledge it and to accept it but i do find that if i change my focus if i try really hard to look at the positives from my situation and there are many there are so many we live in Australia. I wouldn't have survived if we lived in a de- developing country. I have really beautiful people in my life. I'm, I'm quite privileged. I had a good education, a good upbringing. The media was interested in my story. They wanted to hear me tell my story. Australia wants to hear my story. How awesome is that? And because out of that, I've had all of these other really great opportunities that have come along and a lot of people who go through something traumatic might not have those same opportunities. So for all of those things I'm, I'm grateful for, and I think it's about looking for the positives or trying to think of the good in your life or the things you're grateful for rather than focusing on what's not so great or what's
1: not as good. Again, listening to you say that in such a beautiful, calm, measured way, it still blows me away. Because you are someone who would have every reason to be bitter or embittered about what happened.
0: Yeah, but Jess, I'd I'd have a really shit life then. Like if I was super bitter, Michael wouldn't have hung around. Like, you know, he'd be like, I've tried to get this girl back on the fence. She doesn't want to. Then I'd just be stuck inside all day watching TV by myself and I'd have no friends or partner or family. That sounds really shit. I don't, didn't want to do that.
1: Yes, you, you wanted this life that you have rebuilt and made for yourself, this beautiful life.
0: Yeah, and it's a life that I'm really frothing about. We're living up in Port Douglas. Michael's a helicopter pilot so, you know, he says to me he's, he spent long enough being my handbag and it's time he did something of his own I thought, yep, you're, you're right. It's his It's his time he did something. Yep, it is your turn. So we're up here, two kids. I think we live a really, really great life and I think we have this sense of appreciation for each other that we might not ever have had had we not gone through this experience.
1: With your kids, I, I think about my daughters and how I'll talk to them about different things that have happened in my life. Yeah. How do you talk to your kids
0: so they're four and two, so they're very much focused on, you know, Octonauts and if they can have dessert before dinner, that type of thing. But they, when they ask me questions about my injuries, so Huckabye might say, "Maybe why don't you have the same hand as me? I'll say, well, because I was burnt in a fire and so I've lost my fingers. So I've just tried to be really honest. Um, I don't really think there's anything else you can do, right? Just be honest and open, but it's not like I've sat them down in front of sixty minutes and said, "Like, okay, kids, you've got to watch this right now." Um, no, haven't haven't done that.
1: It's sort of inf- I think it'll be up to them, exactly. And it's sort of incremental, isn't it? That they, I I often make the mistake because I do love to talk. I'll just I'll just <laughs> say too much information, and my daughters would be like, "They'll look at me and go." What are you talking about? Like we didn't even ask that. Why are you telling us all of this? It's like, Mom, sure. <laughs> yeah, be quiet. You don't
0: care, factor zero. <laughs> you don't care. Oh gosh, my kids are gonna speak to me like that one day. <laughs> oh. When they, they will. become teenagers. They will. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but but it's oh, the gosh. joys, you know, it's all, all those different sorts of joys. Another reason why I really love you is that I think you're the most wonderful role model for young girls about standing up and saying, okay, I might be different. This has happened to me, but I'm still beautiful and I'm still a cover girl. Because, I mean, you're an amazing cover girl. You've been on so many covers. You know, to use your words, and I'm still badass. Is that how I say it with the accent? I always want to say badass, but... (laughs) (laughs) See that wasn't cool, was it?
0: <laughs> that was the opposite of cool. and I'm not even cool, so it was so far down the other spectrum. Um, that that was really important to me though, Jess, because I you know right after my accident, I read some of them the media stories that were written about me and they were full of pity and people's comments about me were, pitiful. And I really railed against that because I thought, well, yeah, I've had an accident. I get it. I get that I've had an accident. I get that I look different, but I'm still entitled to live a really big life. And I can still do things that I want to do, like doing Ironman and things like that. And I think for me, it's a really great example of diversity, right, to see a woman on our screens like Celebrity Apprentice or on our magazines that's a woman of colour that looks visibly different and she's still out there living her life to the best of her abilities. So I think that was that was really important to me. I think especially these days it feels like maybe, I, I don't know, maybe young girls want to look like this perfect Instagram model. Maybe some people do look like that, but I think most of us don't really. And so I'm happy to
1: be the the counter example. And, and I love that. I think that's so important. And you know, we talk a lot about beauty in society and it's such a sort of currency for people. When do you feel most beautiful? Probably when I'm exercising, which sounds really
0: like I'm not sure how many people would say they feel beautiful when they're exercising but I feel strong I feel fit I feel empowered when I don't feel beautiful or like if I'm dressed up, dressed up to go out with my friends or go out with the girls whatever I feel pretty good if I'm tired if I'm stressed if I haven't been taking care of myself if I've had a fight with Michael if I just feel like shit I don't feel I don't feel very good about myself then, and I don't feel beautiful either.
1: And and tell me as well, when you look in the mirror, all of us look in the mirror at different times and feel yep. different things. What what do you feel? What do you see?
0: I feel that what I see differs based on how I'm feeling. Um, so you probably get that there's a there's a ongoing trend here. So if I feel good about myself, if I'm spending time with people who make me feel good about myself, if I'm doing great, meaningful, cool work like chatting to Jessica Rowe, I feel good about myself. If I'm looking after myself, if I'm going to the gym, if I'm going for runs, if I'm exercising, if I'm eating good nutritious food, if I'm getting enough sleep... All of those things, if I then look at the mirror, I'll say, You look pretty good today, Turia, you look pretty good, you're killing it. On the other hand, if I've had a fight with someone, if I've done something that I'm not proud of, if I've snapped at my kids, if I've inhaled two blocks of chocolate, um, and I might you know, I might and then I haven't eaten lunch. If I'm, did I say tired? Yes. <laughs> if I'm stressed, if I've got work on, that's, that is important work, but I'm stressed and I can't do it and the kids are screaming and Michael's stressed. And at those times, I don't, yeah, if I look in the mirror, I, I, I feel haggard, to be honest. I feel haggard, which is
1: not, no one wants to feel or look haggard. And picking up there on what you're saying, it really is about, isn't it, what is inside of us? then makes us feel about our exterior, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, I guess. Like I always, I hate that platitude, like, ah, beauty is only skin deep because it's like, well, no, that's bullshit because if I have my hair done, wearing cool threads, Got cool makeup on. I'm feeling pretty bad arse. Um, you know, so <laughs> you know, now that's how like, to say it. That's how to say
1: bad <laughs> arse.
0: <laughs> um, so I think, I, I do think our exterior does help us with how we feel about ourselves. So I think if wearing lipstick makes you feel more beautiful and better, knock yourself out, you know, go for it. If getting a new haircut or getting Botox makes you feel better about yourself, Great, because I think there is so much, especially for women, there is so much in our world designed to make us feel shit, to make us feel less than, to make us feel like we're not worthy.
1: So if there's something that makes you feel good, go for it. Talking to you makes me feel good because what you do, beautiful, is that you lift other women up. You make us feel good about who we are.
0: Well, that's good because I feel like, you know, we're all just doing our best. We're trying to provide for our families. We want to be good mums and good partners and good daughters and have really strong relationships with other people. So I feel like if you feel good about yourself, all of those things are a lot easier. I hope you
1: know that. Do you know that, that, the impact you have on people?
0: Um... I think on some people. I also think, yeah, I don't know how to answer that question.
1: Why? Without (laughs) tell me why. (laughs) It it feels ungracious. Oh come on! Well, (laughs) no, but you're not ungracious, and I think no, no, that's not in your makeup. So no, but I think I'm naturally
0: I'm an introvert, so I love writing. Um if if you were to ask me what my ideal day would be it would be um uh, doing some exercise in the morning having a good healthy breakfast with my family going on like a hike doing some writing um that type of stuff it wouldn't be you know going to a party or going out and seeing heaps of people or that type of stuff so I'm probably yeah an introvert Introverted.
1: but you can be, What about you? Well, you can be introverted, but still what you do by your writing, by the times when you are on the telly, when you're on Celebrity Apprentice, when you do your motivational speeches, that's what has the impact on people too. Seeing you leading your life on social media, all those sorts of things have an impact. So you're still doing you, but that still impacts on people.
0: God, I feel like you're my mum right now. Just
1: giving <laughs> the low, no, yeah, mum. That's, yeah, low. No, a very cool mum. You're, yeah, a very cool mum. <laughs> I suppose what I want to finish on is, you know, you, you've spoken a lot about exercise and physicality and how that's such an important part of your life. For yeah, me, do you like exercise? No, the words, you've got,
0: mm, you've fun, got like a banging, you've got like a banging body.
1: Fun, so that just
0: comes from eating chocolate. It is from caramel. Yeah. You see, I
1: like to eat the caramel. <laughs> right, okay, good to know. Yeah. And and the words fun and run, Taria, don't for me go together. Whereas I know for you it's like fun run, like no thanks. Well, I find
0: running for me has given me the confidence that I could do things that were hard, right? So that's that's what it has done for me because when you're in a race or you're running, there's times during that which are really hard where you want to give up, but you still find it in you to take that next step. And so I think being a runner obviously helped me a lot with my recovery and my journey, having that kind of understanding that if something's hard, it doesn't mean it's bad, and knowing that I am I am capable of doing stuff that's hard. So I think that really helped me with my recovery. And now I like teaching mums to run because you know, you can stand on the stage, you can speak to people, you can say you've got the inner resources to do whatever is, whatever is required, and you've got the inner resources to be able to cope with whatever life throws your way, and people just sit there and they go, yeah, 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 cool, uh, but they they might not realise that lesson for themselves. I think so that's really cool. When I'm teaching these moms how to run, is that over the over the over the time frame of 10 weeks, you know, their first run's 10 minutes and they think they can't do it, then they do it, then they're all excited. You know, they've done something that they thought was never possible, so what else in their life
1: would they be able to do? So you show them what the, the what is possible. You know what? If I was ever going to do running, I'd want to do a run with you.
0: <laughs> Can you do it? <laughs> I will. I, I would. Lo- I would love to say it. Okay, let's let's chat off this. I'm gonna. I'll. Um, I will coach you personally, Jess. How about that? You're be in bed eating your milk and I'll I'll text you. Hey, Jess, have you done your run today? Hey, have you done your run? Have you gone out for your run?
1: <laughs> well, it has been such a joy to talk to you. I I love talking with you because, as I said at the very start. I always learn something from you and you always leave me feeling lighter and better about what I can do in my life to make a difference. So I thank you for that. I send you so much love and, yes, I will maybe run with you the next time. <laughs> I in that.
0: Sydney. Yes, <laughs> I will maybe. <laughs> love That's you, commitment. gorgeous. That is commitment. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank
1: you so, so much. Bye. I, oh my goodness do you see what I mean about Taria there is always so much that she shares she teaches me so many things but she didn't teach me how to say badass or see even that just sounds so lame doesn't it <laughs> because you know me and my sort of fancy pants way and not wanting to swear I kind of go bad ass, but it's still not quite right, but but anyway, I just adore talking to her, learning from her. And if you do want to learn more about Taria, do not miss her incredible ongoing podcast, Terea Pitt is hard work. Now, in this podcast, Terea shares stories of resilience that inspire you to take on life's biggest challenges, and she is living proof of that. And now for more big conversations like the one that we've had with Taria, search the Jess Big Talk Show podcast. And while you're there, I'd love you to follow the show. I know you follow already, but spread the word. I mean, I have mentioned T-shirts. We've got to get some sparkly T-shirts printed with the Jess Big Talk Show podcast written right across the front. Now, if you did enjoy this episode, I reckon that you will also enjoy my chat with the darling Stephanie Rice, who's a great mate of mine. For me, I always try to learn from every situation. And sometimes you have to look
0: in the eyes your fear and go like, why do I like worry about
1: this? Or why is this consuming me so much? And I feel like when you actually really look at your fears like and really kind of put work into looking at it, you often do find like the reason why. As well as Candice Warner. Candace Well, that's the power of positive thinking. I just thought, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. If you tell yourself something enough, then you believe it. Uh, and that's like in a negative way as well. If you tell yourself you can't do something, then you're not going to be able to do it. But I just kept saying, I can do this, I can do this, and I did. The Jess Rowe Big Talk Show was presented by me, Jess Rowe. Executive producer, Nick McClure. Audio producer, Nikki Sitch. Supervising producer, Sam Kavanagh. Until next time, remember to live big. Life is just too crazy and glorious to waste time on the stuff that doesn't matter.
0: Nah.